My friends, before we get into today's uh, sermon, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, um, I pray that only your word be spoken, only your word heard, and only your word lived. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Peter 3.16. In that verse, in, in Peter's letter, uh, Peter's pointing out that Paul's letters contain things that are hard to understand. Now, uh, if you've ever spent any time with Paul's letters, that is an understatement. Uh, Paul can be, I think, pretty tough sometimes, and especially as Anglicans, I think we would nosedive into a gospel over Paul any day. And yet, in today's passage from Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, he writes about God's love in such a beautiful way. It's so beautiful, it almost feels like poetry. You see, Paul gives us reasons to hope and to have joy, even in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of suffering. And what he writes is so beautiful. And it's beautiful like poetry, but it's neither fantasy and it's not fiction. You know, what I appreciate uh, about Paul's faith, actually what I appreciate about the Christian faith, is that it's incredibly realistic. Paul points out a crucial truth that suffering lies at the center of the Christian faith. Paul understands what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, just read from our passage in Romans, starting from verse 35. This is what Paul writes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, in today's passage, Paul makes an important assumption about the Christian faith and Christian life. The Christian life is not an escape from the realities that we live every day. Rather, it is grounded in the flesh and blood struggles of real people as we learn to live through difficult times and around people who frustrate and irritate us and yet have been given to us by God to be our friends and family. You know, we are in a difficult time, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, we are aware of new cases of COVID. You know, they're springing up around us, and there's talk about a second wave. And as far as I know, there's no real news of a vaccine in sight. You know, that is a burden that we all share, and it's huge. And yet, there, and then there are our personal sufferings. You know, there are ones that we might share with our closest friends and family. And there are some personal sufferings that we don't share with anyone, that we carry by ourselves. And it feels like too much. So actually, it's not, it's not hard at all to agree with what Paul is saying, that suffer, suffering is to be expected in life. I mean, we already know that. But then he says in verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. How are we conquerors? I mean, that's the question. Well, Paul mentions God's love. Okay, but how does that work? 
Well, in verse 28, I mean, that's going to be the key. And Paul says this, And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love God. And so here's the hope that Paul is sharing. God is using this difficult time for our good. God's love is woven through our difficulty so that not only are we not alone, but we can expect that goodness and love can come out of our suffering. Now that's, that's what Paul is saying. And I mean, I think it's wonderful, but we need to be clear about what he's not saying. Uh, it's, Paul is not sharing a saccharine or superficial claim that says, oh, you know, behind every cloud there's a silver lining. Uh, yeah, these are bad things, but they're not really that bad. You just got to see them with a certain perspective. No, Paul's not saying that. I want us to remember uh, Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus? Uh, Jesus' friend who died. When Jesus arrived at the tomb of his dead friend Lazarus, he wasn't bubbly and he wasn't chuckling. He was weeping with those weeping. It actually says that he bellowed when he came to the tomb. He wept and he was angry at death. He's raging and weeping at death. He's weeping at our broken world where COVID separates us from each other and leaves us lonely and afraid. He's weeping and angry at the injustices of those who have perished because of this incurable disease. He's weeping and angry at the injustice that separates race from race and person from person. See, Jesus was angry and he wept at death. These things are evil in themselves. They're not just, oh, you know what, they have a silver lining. No, they're terrible. Jesus hates them. He weeps and he's angry at them. And yet, Jesus shows us that they're not our main problem. We know this because of the cross. Jesus didn't just hang around producing infinite miracles to make our lives uh, comfier. He died to give us something we desperately needed. He died to give us his life, to destroy our sin and make us like him. And being like him means that the kind of people, being the kind of people that can go through any hardship, even death, and not be destroyed. You know, Paul knows this, which is why he writes in Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God. Paul points out that Jesus not only will completely eradicate evil and suffering, but somehow he's going to make all the bad and everything in our life work together to bring about good results in your life, in my life. Now, for some of us, this is as far as we can go. You know, we just need to uh, hear what Paul is sharing, and we need to pray through his words, you know, let them land in our hearts and our minds. And if that's you, I'm going to be praying for you. And please let me know how I could be walking alongside you in this difficult time. And yet for some of us, we're listening to what Paul is sharing, and we're going to be asking, well, if God's weaving all this love through my difficulty, well, how does this happen, right? 
Well, I think there are two ways that this is happening. And the one way we can grasp, we can kind of understand. The other is difficult to begin to understand without humility and repentance. The first one that we can understand is right here in verse 29. Paul says that the whole plan is to be transformed into the likeness of his son, Jesus. So that's the part that, you know, can make sense to us. You see, we place, as you know, normal human beings, we will place the center of our suffering in our circumstances. COVID is the problem, or my current level of income, or uh, my romantic relationship, or lack thereof. That's the problem, you know. Our suffering is our circumstances. But Jesus died to cleanse us from our sin. That means that our circumstances, yeah, they're difficult and they can be painful, and there's no minimizing that fact, not at all. And yet, as difficult as our circumstances can be, they're temporary. Our character is our real problem. Our temporary circumstances can't separate us from the love of God. I mean, Paul says that in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, it's not our circumstances that are the real danger. Our real danger is our character, our hearts. The way we ignore God and behave foolishly or our pride and selfishness and denial about our sins and our flaws, our hardness of heart. And one of the biggest ones is buying into the great delusion that we can really handle our lives without God. Here's a fact. If If you've lived a while, you've gone through hard times. And some of those hard times have been of our own making. You know, you and I, we have scars and those scars can still hurt. But the insights and wisdom, the character and strength that you and I have gained from those trials, if you think about it, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, I want you to consider this. That hard-won wisdom is just a hint of what we're being shown here. Listen, if you and I, if we bring our character flaws to God, our mistakes, if we bring those to to God, if we uh, come to him in repentance and faith and worship, you and I, we will be made into someone like Jesus. Now, being made into someone like Jesus, there's some of us that are thinking, well, yeah, that's great. That's, that would be amazing. That's the point. But I know there are others, understandably, who will say, uh, is that all? All these bad things are going on to make me a better person? Is that, is that the answer, Seth? Well, I mean, not, that's not the complete answer. I mean, I think if that was it, it's still the best thing that could ever happen to any one of us. But I can understand that would feel very pretty uh, heavy-handed, right? I mean, there are questions. There's so many questions around suffering. Um, does God intentionally hurt me to make me better? Does, uh, is God the author of all suffering? Uh, what about this particular instance in my life where I was hurt or Uh, How does God make sense of this and of that? How about my tears here? What about my loneliness there? What's the answer? Well, I think those are legitimate and honest questions. And I'm not going to pretend that I have exhaustive answers on hand right now. Remember, I said that there's one part of what Paul is sharing, what we're learning right now, 
that we can understand, that we can grasp. Uh, and the bad part is that God reshapes our character into someone like Jesus, eliminating our biggest problem, which is actually our current self. But the other way that God works his love remains a mystery. And yet it's real and we will see it one day. So let me show you what I mean. And this is going to be a thought experiment and partially a thought experiment. Partially, just, I guess it's just a confession for me. So I'm going to share this and hopefully you can receive it in some in like prayerful consideration. So think about this. I think about being present at the crucifixion of Jesus, you know, time machine all the way back. I'm there. And I think if I was at the foot of the cross at the crucifixion of Jesus, and I had watched the Romans mutilate Jesus's body and then force him to carry the cross and then pierce his hands and feet. If I had seen all that torture and I knew only what everyone else knew, that he was a good man, uh, a powerful prophet and teacher, and he was healing people, he was feeding crowds. And so if I saw this man, he's a good man, be crucified, I would say that he was clearly abandoned by God, that he is God forsaken. I mean, what else could that be? And with everyone else, I would have said, I don't see how God could bring anything from this. I would have gone home, faith shaken, probably losing my faith if I'm honest, because I wouldn't be able to fit how God could possibly weave goodness from that tragic death. And yet, and yet we now know that on the cross of Christ, God was doing the greatest thing God could, would ever do for the human race, for you and for me. But because Jesus' death um, didn't fit my limited human categories, I would have said, I don't see what God could possibly be doing right now. In other words, if we have an infinite God there will be reasons why we go through hard times and uh, reasons that we might not actually understand. But it would be arrogant for, uh, to, for anyone, for me to say that just because I don't understand the reasons, there aren't reasons. Instead, what I need to do when I'm hurting is to look at how God has shown his love for me, that he gave his only son to die on the cross so that I might be God's family forever. And the fact is that Accepting this love will make you and me into someone glorious. Now, glorious, I mean, that's a word we don't really use a lot, but it's actually tucked away in verse 30. And the word means something like weighty or solid. So if you're weighty and you're solid, the winds can't move you. You're stable, you're strong. So that means you can be hurt, but never destroyed. That's what the love of God does to us in the midst of our hurting. I mean, how do we, what does that mean, right? How do I make sense of that? Well, I want you to think about the Velveteen Rabbit. I don't know if you're familiar with the Velveteen Rabbit. It's a kid's story about a stuffy, a Velveteen Rabbit who is made, of, who is made fun of by other toys because they're cool machine toys. And so because they're machine toys, they think that they're real. But the rabbit is not machine. It's, the rabbit is velveteen, so he's not real. 
And so this rabbit has uh, only one friend called the skin horse. It's an old, weathered, and very used toy. And the skin horse says to the velveteen rabbit, when a child loves you for a long, long time, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asks the velveteen rabbit. Oh yes, says the skin horse. That's why it doesn't happen to those who break easily or who have to be very carefully handled. By the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get really loose in the joints and you look awfully shabby. But once you're real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. Now let's listen to Paul. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To be real is to be glorious. That's the promise. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you with uh, our hearts at this time, and uh, you know our hearts, you know our personal stories, the, the, the sufferings, the struggles, the hurts that we carry, Lord, each of us. Uh, and we carry these in the middle of a trying time. And Lord, we bring this to you, and we ask that although we can't make sense of a lot of it, or we don't fully understand the reasons why all this is going on, um, we don't want that lack of understanding to deflate our love and trust of you. But we ask that you somehow use this time to bring us closer to you, that we may more deeply found in relationship with you, God, that we may feel your love in new and special ways, that we may be made into the image of your son, Jesus, so that all hardships, they will hurt, but they can't destroy us, God. Make us into those kind of people that we can have that love in our lives and share that love with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.